welcome to the exhaust notes podcast what is good everyone welcome to the exhaust notes podcast we've been gone for a little bit but we are back my name is nick ingvall i got Rowett and todd i mean there's been really nothing going on to talk about so i don't know we're a little early jumping the gun the season's still what a couple months away but no no i was gonna say you guys want to tell them now uh it's uh our 33 million new listeners because obviously all of you not only jumped into the formula one bandwagon you jumped into the exhaust notes bandwagon hello stephanie uh i would just say this we are not going to do formula one this year we are going to be exclusively covering what was it the national drone racing league because (laughs) i don't want to tell you who todd yates but it's somebody's newest obsession todd yates and this person who once again will remain unnamed todd yates said he would not ever join us on mic again until we made this pivot so as a ways to appease this man todd yates you got your wish todd talk to me about your dream well just one day i woke up and i i just really wanted to fly a drone into the side of my house and until that day comes we're gonna be talking drone racing I don't know. That's way too inside baseball. They're not going to get that. There's a lot of pre-show, pre yeah, no, pre-roll talk about. We, we need we need some we need some background sounds. No, I mean, no, it's I know just, that's not it's, what drones sound like. It's but. a George Clooney thing, right? One for us, one for them. That was one for us. That was for three people. <laughs> and the two people that I did that for are laughing. So, hey, listeners, that's the first awkward tangent of the season. Welcome. We've missed you. Have you guys been? Can't wait to talk to you about all the shenanigans that have made up this upcoming Formula One season. And to Todd's point that he's going to make in 30 seconds, none of it has to do with cars at all. You know what? I think it wouldn't be the right to start a new season of this show without a ridiculous, r- ridiculously hotter than the sun take from Ro hit. So, Ro, putting you on the spot, give me just off the top of your dome. What's a hot take for this upcoming season? Charles Leclerc will be the third highest scoring Frenchman in the Formula One league this year. Third highest scoring Frenchman. Wow. Gene Baguette is riding. You know what the French invented? Crepes, those tiny little pancakes. You know what else they invented? Freedom. You know what else they invented? Race car drivers. And my man Esta Bandit, my man Pierre Gas 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 Gasly, is going to run circles around him. Charles Leclerc out of the league. Out of the league. Wow. Uh, I mean, technically he's monogasque, but I'll give it to you. He's a dirty man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Some of my best friends are French. Oh, shit. And here I thought saying that Lando was going to get his first victory was going to be a hot take, but Listen, I, I don't even need to say it. Like, it's not going to register on the on the Much like your favorite scale. sports team, there are roles that have to be played by the roster. And I don't mind being this role. Sometimes I wish I could go out of this box, but I know where our bread is buttered. I know what keeps those 33 million people coming back for more and more and more and more. So I don't mind being Skip. I don't mind being Stephen A. But nah, that's just something to appease my buddy over there because I kind of put him on the spot. So what else is going on with you, Todd? Much like Stephen A. says, I think you need to stay off the weed. Um, (laughs) But so we want to talk about we haven't done this in a while and we thought it was a good idea before the first official car launch, which happens tomorrow. Shout out Gunther. Um, we want to talk off-season news because there's been a fair 
fair amount of it. So I'm just going to start at the beginning. So this is basically everything I could remember. And my teammates here will fill in the blanks. Uh, everything I everything I could remember since the last race uh, last year, starting with my boy. And it wouldn't be right to not start talking F1 without talking about my boy. Well, my boy, Danny Rick, signs as a reserve driver for Red Bull. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Good, bad, indifferent? You think we're going to see him in a car this year? Nicholas Ingball. I mean, it hurts. It just hurts. I, I, I just want to see... I want to see Danny Rick be one of the faces of Formula One. And, like, the only reason that he's going to end up in a car this year is if something bad happens to somebody that we don't necessarily want something bad to happen to, right? So... I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not optimistic to see him actually racing this year at all. This is preseason testing for us. So I will say this one good thing. It brought us a new fan. So once again, thank you to my wife's coworker, Stephanie. You have a three new friends for life because you are also a Danny Rick fan. So that has already connected us. I think this, because I'm also trying to get ready for the season. Checo Perez doesn't make it to all the way through Red Bull this year. And I do think we will see Danny Rick. Just because I think there's been a lot of whisper. There's been a lot of conflict about, man, what is Checo doing? He's too good to be Valtteri Bottas 2.0 or I guess 19.0, depending on how many upgrades Valtteri Bottas actually went. But that being said, it's always nice to have him because he is at this point what we've kind of said he was. He's a diplomat. He's a familiar face. He's that gateway drug into this because you may be a fan through the Drive to Survive show. You may not remember anything else, but God damn it, you're going to remember that guy. So I get it. As long as he is associated with the product, he will continue to maintain fan base, which is a very underrated skill. But he's charismatic enough that I'm sure he's going to be some some channels driving analyst because I don't see him being silent as long as any reserve driver has been in the previous five or six years. It's interesting thoughts. And I like that you brought up all the F1 rumor mill. Because when they signed him, that was like the immediate connection. It's like, oh, he's there to replace Checo. And that was kind of shortly after the end of the season drama. And I've seen since reports that Checo's still not really happy about how things went down last year. Could all be for nothing. I think Checo, and we've said this on the pod before, I think Checo knows he's there to be a number two. And he might get a little spicy every once in a while and clap back. But I, I think he'll f- totally fall in line. And I don't but think he doesn't, see- he doesn't deserve to feel like a number two, if you will, because <laughs> there's the one or two. I've missed these puns. I've missed them. <laughs> and I've missed you big blue, but it is one of those things where let's say that happens. Do you want Danny Rick as your secondary driver? And I don't mean to offend our new friend, Hello. But it's one of those things that I think things could go horribly wrong if Danny Rick is there, because if we're just using the evidence of the McLaren years, I would say Danny Rick is a slightly less than average Formula One drive driver. Sorry. I mean, I won't ever admit that that's true. I know you won't. And that's why we retain the fan base that we do, much like Danny Rick allows Formula One to retain its fan base. However, (laughs) with that, in mind, the last two years for Danny Rick were terrible, and he didn't. Yeah. I, I'm not like mad at McLaren for 
doing what they did. I don't think they went about it great, but whatever. That's water under the bridge now. I still don't think we're going to see him in a car this year, but if that comes to pass where they do get rid of Checo, that is Danny Rick fully accepting that he's there to be Max's number two, as much as he says it's not. I I don't think... I think he'll... If he gets another chance in a car, in a top car, he's... One, I don't think he's going to beat Max. I don't think he's on Max's level. There's maybe one other guy, maybe two other guys that are on Max's level right now. And that if he does get another chance in a car, he's not, he's there to be rear gunner. That's it. So let's make our first bet of the season. I'll set the over under. You want to do one and a half Danny Rick drives and we'll put a case of Capri sun on it, Todd. We still need to settle up for last year. Um, yeah, I feel like that's water under the bridge. I think all <laughs> the uh, prizes that you and I were both promising each other have been drowned under that uncertainty of water. But this year, we're going to be a little bit more professional. We're going to write down all these bets. So first bet of the year, over under one and a half Danny Rick race appearances. Under. Under? I'll take the over. It's Definitely an under. I think he'll get one if somebody catches some new disease, not disease, virus. That's that sounded really bad. Uh, something happens, they get in a wreck. God forbid. Um, he might get one race, but I don't think, unless I'm completely wrong about Checo falling in line, and he remains a spicy boy. Then I could totally see them being like, all right, we don't need you. We have dinner, Rick. But I still think it's the under. All right, moving on to what is the first time I can remember in my F1 fandom where we ever had a team principal silly season. I'd love for people into discord to correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember in the last 20 years or whatever, I've been watching formula one that we've ever had a silly season for team principles, which was kicked off by Ferrari sending Bonotto to the garden. He got paid gardening leave as they say in F1 to basically not, he's getting paid to not be a team principal anymore. Shortly thereafter, followed by said Ferrari taking Freddie V Frederick Frederick Vasseur from Sauber Alfa Romeo. Uh, And then that was followed by McLaren losing Andreas Seidel to Sauber. And then skipping ahead a little bit in the timeline, um, Williams kind of at the same time lost. uh, Yost? Or what uh, is that name? Yost Capito. And... FX is what everybody calls him. Uh, what the hell is his name? Fred something de Maison. Whatever. FX was their technical director uh, at Williams. So they were both gone. And like I said, skipping ahead in the timeline, they just recently, within a few weeks, uh, signed James Valls from Mercedes, which was their tech. No, sporting director, I think. Sporting director for Mercedes. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, the team principal silly season? I definitely can't remember 
in the however long I've been watching anything close. I can't even remember like more than like one or two changes at most. And nothing like like yeah, I honestly can't even remember like anything memorable. Like like maybe it's just the nature of the way the sport is now where it's like everything is going to be a a shit show and we're going to put it on Netflix and make an extra couple of billion off of all you fans. But like, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like that's also, uh, this is off topic, but like, I feel like that's also the way that we've gone with, with all the driver stuff, right? Last season in the, in the midst of all of that stuff was like teams announcing, Oh, this, and then the driver coming out and saying, no, not that. And then like <laughs> teams are like, Oh, well, we'll, we took him. And then it's like, no, we didn't. And then it's like, what like yeah I, I think it's all i don't know like the the skeptic in me is like is this just all a bunch of like smoke and mirrors and they all do this for the buzz that it creates amongst all these like f1 media sites and you know personalities no but i mean i will say this uh outside of what is probably a very thin and not thinly thickly disguised attempt at describing this as either a key party because of the car aspect or a carousel or musical chairs i don't think any of these guys are going to have that much of an impact with the exception of freddie v now that being said that to me seems like it's from the otmar s because i always struggle to pronounce that man's last name it's from that genre of hiring where we're just going to hire a competent adult and hopefully that does enough to elevate ferrari because we always go back to this topic as well ferrari had a very good season if you just look at it from a little bit of distance when you're in the season it was atrocious because of how many points they possibly dropped now that being said i also wonder like what is the long-term ramification? Because I also utilize this as kind of a benchmark when it comes to team principles where Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, whatever you may think about them, and a lot of us think a lot of different things about the both of them, they are the titans of their industry. And I don't think Matteo Benato stood up to them as an equal. And in a way, I think that also hindered Ferrari. Now, I'm, it's early returns. I'm not going to say yes or no that Freddie V can be that guy, but He's been fairly anonymous. And what I lauded Otmar for last year was just gets his job done, doesn't really cause that much of a kerfuffle. I think you have to be a little bit of a shit stirrer to be a Ferrari boss because you are going up against this two-headed monster in Christian Horner and Toto Wolf. And they're going to take the look of you and they're going to determine right then and there if you're up to their pedigree. And more often than not, it's not going to happen. But I'm cautiously optimistic because that Stockholm syndrome traveled to year two and I will be supporting Ferrari again, but I'm not holding my breath. And then the other thing is with regards to some of the other turnover and transitions, all due respect to McLaren, it's always been Zach Brown's team to me. And maybe that's the Formula One or the drive to survivacation of it all. But I'd never once thought of anybody else as their principal, even though the org chart tells me it's somebody else. It's been Zach Brown's team. So as long as Zach Brown is there, he's essentially Jerry Jones, where he's going to serve as the coach. He's going to serve as the GM. He's going to serve as every managerial figure for that organization. You nailed, you both nailed a couple of points. Nick, I'll start with yours. I think this last season and the season before, obviously, with that whole chaos ending and whatnot, but this last season... If there ever was like a conspiracy theory that things were fixed by the governing body or the refs, as you would say, this last season felt like that. Like this felt like 
Liberty Media is just making things happen to make Drive to Survive the sickest show ever on television. Like everything, it almost really wasn't about the racing, but it was still a really entertaining season. And it was because of all of the off-track stuff. Because Max had it probably wrapped up like halfway through. It felt like that anyway. And then uh, they just, the, the summer break, the Piastri thing you talked about, like, that almost felt like not real. Like that was a teenage drama written that way. And then Ro, I think what you talked about with the the team bosses moving around, I think Fredjo Kassour is known to be, or has been known to be the kind of loud presence when he needs to be for Sauber for his time there and is the perfect fit for Ferrari to like be a, we're Ferrari. We are the golden child of F1. We don't take your shit anymore. And Harry Potter wasn't that dude. And I also agree with you, and we'll get into it in our hot takes episode. But uh, I think McLaren is Zach's team, but they did lose a big... I think the uptick of McLaren will... It's going to be an even larger step back this year. Because they lost Andreas. Can I ask you one follow-up question about Freddie V? Because in my mind, I look at it from the perspective of where was Freddie V prior? Sauber? Who else was previously at Sauber that recently joined Ferrari? Leclerc, the third third place Frenchman, as I've so boldly declared at the beginning of this episode. I know that Freddie V has gone on record saying there is no driver A, driver B at Ferrari. We're going to let both of them race. I don't think that's the case because why else are you bringing in what I consider to be a pivotal part to Charles Leclerc's development in Sauber and having him be the principal for your team? In my mind, whether it's implicit, whether it's explicit, Charles Leclerc, and it's not much of a surprise for most people, he is going to be driver 1A because I think that's what that hiring confirmed in my mind. Do you think that's fair or show me the zag if I'm zigging that way? I totally agree with you. I think that was a big... I think it's the unwritten rule that Leclerc is their prodigal son at Ferrari. And I think his prior relationship with uh, Vasseur helped him get in the door. Um, Or at least Leclerc had to kind of co-sign on their idea for it to work. But again, we'll get into Hot Takes episode. I think that's going to go sideways on him a little bit. Oh, what else happened? Oh, so I think shortly after or towards the end or shortly after the whole Team Boss Silly season, we had the most awkward awards dinner known to man. I haven't watched a lot of awards dinners for other sports, and I'm sure they're cringeworthy. But a drunk Mohammed bin Suleim, and I'm going forward, I'm just going to call him MBS for the casual listener but mbs is now the initials for the head of the fia a drunk mbs talking to christian horner about the fiasco at japan was you know when people say like you can't look away like a car crash you can't look away from kind of thing that was the biggest car crash i've ever seen in my life did you guys watch it do you do you remember clips of that this kind of escaped me, but just because we're always working with the theory that this is someone's first episode, Todd, explain to us quickly what that Japan incident was that was the topic of that discussion between MBS and CH. 
so obviously, if you watched the last season at all, uh, the Japan race at Suzuka was almost a rain out. It was so wet that they had to delay the race. Then they were about to go. Then they put on wets and they did a lap and they were like, nope, still too wet. So it was like almost two hour delay. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong in the discord, but it was some something like that. Uh, and they finally started the race. Huge crash, whatever. They they finally had finished the race, but because the race was cut short by being delayed, there's very weird rules in Formula One uh, where it shouldn't have counted for or it was only going to count for a certain amount of points, which would not have given Max the championship. But in their interpretation of the rules, because they started the race and finished, started it late and finished it instead of the other way around, starting it and not finishing it on time, um, that did count for full points, which did give Max the championship which they found out literally as he was talking to what's his name that just got let go from Sky Sports, Johnny Herbert. Mm -hmm. Um, He, he, Max found out from Johnny Herbert during the interview that he had just won the world championship. Like they, they weren't even sure of it. And he almost didn't believe him during that. Um, But they were talking about that interaction and uh, sorry, MBS and Christian Horner were on stage talking about that interaction while MBS was wasted. And he tried to make a joke about how the trophy didn't wasn't going to count against his cost cap after F. And if you're following along with F1, Red Bull was over the cost cap and got penalized seven million dollars and some wind tunnel time. Um, but he tried to make a joke about how the trophy wouldn't count against his cost cap. <laughs> and and then Horner, in his acceptance speech, was just saying like, oh, you know, it was kind of a confusing way we found out to win, but we just were happy to find out that we won. And then drunk MBS was like, no, there was no confusion. The FIA did everything perfectly and the event organizers. It was if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It is just search up F1 Awards dinner and Christian Horner, and I guarantee you'll find the clip. It's the best train wreck I've ever seen. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, what we're going to do is we're going to reenact that. And here's the <laughs> twist. Todd will be playing MBS and I will be playing Christian Horner. So a <laughs> little something for you guys if you're willing to make the investment like we've made the investment in you, dear listener. <laughs> I mean, that that kind of opens up a whole conversation around the FIA and Formula One, but I think we should probably save that for a, for a future episode. Well, there's more F1 FIA drama in yeah. here. We can save that towards yeah. the end, at least. Um, just quick thing, not much discussion, but China got canceled and then it was kind of back. And then it's probably getting canceled again. It's not actually on the calendar, but it might get added later. If you following along with world news, China is still under like an insane COVID lockdown. And then like the most of the country like protested like all at once. There's like millions and millions of people protesting. So now they're like not under lockdown, but like the country itself is still like locked away from everyone else. So it doesn't really sound like China's happening. And I kind of feel like this is going to be the nail in the coffin for the China race, I don't think it's going to come back. It kind of feels like 
China and Russia might be off the calendar for good after this year. At least for a while. Until the money talks again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Something something like that. Yeah, I feel bad for Guan Yu Zhou and his fan base over there because I mean, say what you will about him, like he's a decent driver. And every design, uh, every driver deserves his place or her place in the sun if we ever get a female driver in Formula One. But to take that home race away, I think it's going to be a little bit detrimental, even though it probably impacts maybe 10% of that paddock. But hold your head up high, Guan Yu Zhou, because if nothing else, I'll be sure to pronounce your name with at least a 95% correct uh, accuracy rate this year. I, I, I think we just wiped the slate clean and okay, you can say enough. it however you want now. Because oh, I've noticed last year that the announcers still say it backwards. So, so one of our listeners is dyslexic, I'm sure. So I'm sure they appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's kind of a more of a big deal. Um, F1 came out and said that displays of political or personal support will no longer be allowed on the paddock. So they already banned like Lewis from wearing like Black Lives Matter shirts and uh, justice for Breonna Taylor and things like that. And then it kind of got into a weird space where they're like no more earrings and no more, you can't wear underwear and no watches and all this weird stuff. But then they kind of just came out and said like, you're not allowed to do anything there will be no discussions about political or social issues uh, in the paddock at all, which is pretty crazy. Feels very. Uh, that actually didn't come from F1. That came from the FIA. So that's our friend MBS again. We're not going to directly tie MBS to that. But what I will say about that is that was one thing I found refreshing about Formula One was they were seemingly ahead of the curve. They allowed their ride uh, drivers to have that platform to speak out on whatever they felt. And I also do think that they kind of invoke this now that probably one of the most politically outspoken drivers of the modern era, Seb, retired, Sebastian Vettel. So I think... For the most part, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the remaining drivers tend to be choir boys. I don't think anybody really has that personal of a topic, with the exception of Lewis Hamilton, that they feel so strongly about that they're going to dedicate some sort of driving accessory or their wardrobe. But that being said, it's a bit of a shame because if there's one thing I hate about modern sports, it's this narrative of shut up and insert action verb here. And it's one of those things that I'm only speaking for myself and not my two co-passengers, but... I don't have much in common with these athletes that we all adore, whether they play basketball, football, soccer, Formula One. But one thing I do have in common sometimes is the fact that we fall within the same value system, let's say, around certain current events or political events. By taking that away, in my mind, you're taking away a connection from some of the people. Now, that being said, I'm sure that the Twitter, Twitter army of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen will not be as silent as their drivers are this year. And that's probably going to get uglier, but I don't like it. I think a part of me is a little bit sad that the FIA ruled in this manner. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. You said we weren't going to tie MBS to this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, Nick, we are. Well, let's just say it's mostly bullshit. I'm going family. to. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. it's just. I think it's total bullshit. It's, I I mean. 
like who else to your point, right? Yeah. Who else are they targeting other than Lewis with this shit? You know what? Here's the devil's advocate. If this gets Lewis Hamilton, his Jesse Owens moment in the Olympics, I'm here for that. Because if there's one thing Lewis Hamilton is, is he's a man of conviction and he's not going to let this stop him. He's going to wear the jewelry. He's going to do whatever it is. Political uh, machinations be damned. So in that regard, it doesn't matter if they're going to say this because I think the one driver that's going to spit in their face, so to speak, and do it, and rightfully so, I'm behind that loogie, is loogie Lewis Hamilton. So go for it, Lewis. We support you. It's just absurd to me that we are taking away a characteristic of some of these drivers. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly your point. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the LeBron shut up and play basketball crowd that like, just in my opinion, just kind of ruins sports for everyone. Right. And I think with Lewis, it's like, where's that line drawn? Like there's not a place for it to be drawn in my opinion, but like he stands for so many different people and is, you know, Seb as well, but obviously with him out of the picture, like Lewis is the, like, he's it. in my opinion, the biggest and best role model, role model in the sport of racing. Cause he uses his platform to speak his truth. And that's what you want from people, right? Like we're all from the generation that came up watching and loving Michael Jordan. What's the one thing that everyone that has been a Michael Jordan fan for a majority of their life wants Michael Jordan to do? is stand up for something off the basketball court is to be somebody that like you can look at and be like, Oh, I can learn from this or I can, you know, like be inspired by what he does outside the court. And it's his prerogative, you know, like it's not like our place to like control what they do, but when somebody chooses to use their platform and like, to me, that's, that's the, the real value of making millions of dollars or billions of dollars and having a massive audience is being able to express yourself and enlighten people to things that they don't necessarily know the ins and outs of. And like, you know, this is kind of off topic, but like, I don't know if you guys have watched the the latest Mr. Beast YouTube video, but he basically just paid for surgery for a thousand people to like correct their blindness. And like people are giving like are complaining that he did that because he's just doing it for show. And it's like, he put in so much work doing dumb shit to get to the point where he could do great things for other people. Like Lewis did the same thing. All these drivers have, it's, it's a shame that most of them don't stand up for things that they probably believe in. Right. To your point is like, if everybody's just going to, you know, turn off the emotions and, you know, get back in the, in the paddock or get back in the car, whatever it is that they're being told to do. Like, I just think that that sucks. Uh, you know, I, I it takes away the, the, like the real purpose in me, like looking to someone as a hero or an example or a leader. If you don't get the whole human experience, like I don't want half of a human experience with anyone. So like to have that be very, you know, very targeted in my opinion, and very specifically from a certain group of people that kind of make these rules like it's, it kind of goes back to the morality thing. And I get that like F1 is not a moral business. It never has been, but like, I don't know, shut up and just own the franchise. <laughs> just get out of the way and let people race, let people do what they do. You no, know, it's not even shut up, speak up. 
No, I mean, I mean, like the leadership, the oh, owners. No, that's like, what I'm saying. Let let your workers speak up and drive, as opposed to shut up and drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating to me. I get worked up about it. That was Nick at an eleven on a scale of one to five. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I. So I'll start with surprisingly, the first person to actually speak out about this was Bodass. So shout out to Valtteri for that. And I think he even shared like a picture of him and his wife, girlfriend, partner, whatever, um, at some like bike race wearing like equality brace uh, sweatbands. And he was just like, this is like ridiculous. So I'm hoping that he's a dark horse and just like decides to like do some outlandish like thing in support of whatever causes he believes in uh this season and like takes the pressure off of lewis because that'd be that'd be awesome i mean i already love valtteri but i want him to do something crazy like that because i know he is has been outspoken in the past on certain causes or whatever and i hope he maybe picks up where seb let's left off whatever it makes me miss seb more because uh, to, to your point, Nick, you, I think you said Lewis was like the most or the biggest role model for putting his money where his mouth is. I think Seb is like Seb even made Lewis little farcical in some areas because like Lewis is all about like climate change and equality and stuff. And then like he'd be like all about climate change and then he'd you know, drive home from the race in his G wagon. Like, so Seb would like ride his bike home to his B hotel. So that I, I just, it makes me miss Seb more because I do want whatever the causes that people choose to support. Uh, I want there to, even if it's like Max saying something about the Dutch army, like whatever, like if he has a cause to support, I want him to be outspoken about it. Yeah, th- that's exactly how I feel. And I think that I think to, to your point, right, I, I, I'm thinking of it in, in terms of like, you know, Seb being an out of there. Right. And like Lewis kind of being at the top of that at this point. But like, that's the beauty in it. Right. The beauty is that that these guys start to hold each other accountable. Right. They start to challenge each other to push to do more the same way that you would do if you were driving against your friends. Right. Like it'd be like, oh, you did that. And you, you know, like to your point, it's like you drove a G wagon. Let's see you ride the bike. You know, like those are the types of things that happen. That's how change happens. That's how, and I, I don't think that I, I look, everybody should be able to express themselves. I don't care. Like, I don't need to share your opinion in order for you to be expressive about what you believe. I just think that like, there are very important things that these guys specifically, these 10 to 20 drivers can absolutely change the direction of the course of humanity if they're given the opportunity to, especially if that snowball effect happens. Right. And it's unfortunate that Seb steps out, but like you could kind of see where like, Hey, Seb was that Lewis is stepping into that even more and more, you know, like, I don't know if you guys caught any of the interviews, he's kind of been on a press tour, which is unlike him, but it's almost like he's realizing, hey, I need to I need to get out here and get out in front of these things so I can start to push my message. And I I I, I think that's fucking awesome. You know, like I hope all these guys do it. I, I think that's the hardest part about, you know, and I've said this before, but I think that's the hardest part about Max to me is like if you just want to be a race car driver to win the race, that's great. But like it's really disappointing to me that you don't want to participate in the show 
because being a race car driver is being a showman. Like it's the showmanship. The sport is absolutely about everything, right? Like we watch these and movies and glorify these guys because they do all this crazy shit and they have all these, you know, expensive cars and they have access to all these wild things that the average person doesn't, right? It's a whole package. But as that package has evolved into people that actually pay attention to what's going on in the world, now we're saying we don't want the whole package of a, of a race car driver. We fucking sell everything to you based on the race car driver. Like people smoke cigarettes for 60, 70 years based on the fact that some, you know, James Dean character or whomever, Steve McQueen, dro- like smoked cigarettes while he raced his car around Lamont. You know, like th- that's just like the, the, the stories that we all love, you know? And I think it's just like kind of weird that we kind of got to this place where we're starting to make moves in the right direction as formula one. And now we have this like, you know, stop point of like putting the brakes on something where like, that's just not the way it should be in my opinion. No. And I think it's interesting because going back to what I believe Nick's earlier point about Michael Jordan, it seems Max Verstappen is borrowing from the Michael Jordan playbook of being a good spokesman, which is spokesmen are to be seen and not heard. Whereas Lewis Hamilton is almost taking a page out of LeBron James playbook where he's there for almost every major geopolitical issue. And yes, there are times where you wonder a little bit about his execution on certain feelings or factors. But that being said, there is no happy medium. And unfortunately, that's a sign of the times. And I would rather side with somebody that I feel shows a global awareness of everything that's going on, that's willing to have that uncomfortable conversation. So to try and summarize Nick's point and add a cherry on top, good job, Lewis. Max, I still expect better from you. But I'm also silently holding out hope because I think this year we're actually going to get Verstappen on Drive to Survive. So I'm really interested to see what media training Verstappen is like because he's either going to get even more bland or he may show some of that passion that, to Nick's point, it's that intangible characteristic that draws us to these drivers because racing as it's constructed, is a very technical sport. And it's very hard to get behind a sport that's so inherently technical. And that's where we need the driver's personality to shine through. And that's why I'm hoping that we got a little bit of old Max, even though I think he's a bit of a hothead and a bit of an ass clown. But that's just my opinion. Well, I have the perfect segue. Speaking of Max being more social, you just mentioned that Lewis Hamilton's kind of been on a press tour. Max, if you have been paying attention at all has now become active on social media. I think he has some form of a YouTube channel and is starting to get out there. He's done some interviews. Uh, He's done like a few videos here and there. Uh, So he's starting to get out there. And as you mentioned, he will be on drive to survive this year. I think he probably had the talk with uh, box to box films uh, about like, Hey, maybe don't try to make me look like the villain. Like I'm just here to race, which like I get from his perspective, like they just had him as the heel in that one season. And that's why he's like, F you guys, like you just painted me in in one way. So I hope that he is back on drive to survive in a heavy capacity, especially since he was so freaking dominant last year. And I hope that they can at least paint both sides of the coin. If like Max had his villainous moments, we talked about him on the pod last season, but like he also probably had one of the most dominant seasons that I can remember in the last decade, like thinking like Lewis 2018, Seb 2012, like it was ridiculous how good he was. 
and how yep. good that car was. So I hope that that continues. And maybe to, to Rohit's point, like that is the beginning of Max blossoming into like, hey, like I'm more than a robot in a car. And I, I think that Max is an incredible driver. I think this is the hardest part, though, right? Like I, I would I would love Max as a driver, even even as somebody who's disliked him and been on the opposite side of the fan base, if he were to be outspoken about things, right. Rather than just shut down and disconnect from it. Because like, I feel like the, the mind games aspect of it, we talk a lot about on the track, but there's the mind games aspect of it. That's all of the showmanship, all of the on camera stuff, everything, right? Like every aspect of these guys' lives is out there for the public to debate and see and argue with and hate and love. And like, but like that also is what brings passionate people to behind you to become supporters of you. You know, like there's definitely people that just want to see a winner win, but like if a winner wins and is like, you know, I don't know, like it's like Jordan from the free throw line, right? Like Jordan's dunk contest mean just as much to his legacy as his championships do. And I'm not saying that Max should, you know, go drifting on Saturdays or something just to show off, but like he should bring out your character. Like, yeah, he should. Absolutely. I I feel like uh, if I don't see Max Verstappen in fast 10, that's an opportunity (laughs) lost because every family needs an asshole cousin and Max Verstappen, I'm pretty sure is Dutch for asshole cousin. (laughs) I'm going to turn your opinion around on Max. I'm going to, that's my goal for this year. Oh, no. I, and I'm willing to learn because, I mean, at the end of the day, we had this conversation on the Discord, which is we do a terrible job of celebrating greatness. And I'll be the first to admit it. Like, I'm a Pat Mahomes guy. I'm a Steph Curry fan in the sense as much as somebody can be from a neutral perspective. Max Verstappen is on that elevated plane at his sport. I should celebrate that. I should acknowledge his greatness. I can't do it sometimes because of the tomfoolery off the court or off the track. But to your point, Todd, it's like, I don't know how many more years I get of Max Verstappen. So I need to just bite the bullet and appreciate what he's doing. Because to your point, this type of dominance hasn't been seen in a long time. And I don't know when we'll see something like this again, because 2026 brings in another rules uh, rule change that may shake up the field. So I will try to be better. Shout out to Iron Trev. <laughs> As long as he keeps driving like he is on track. I don't want to yeah. see like 2020 Max where he's just like. Or oh, y- yeah. young Definitely Max where not. he's just driving into people because yeah. he's a hothead. I, I want to see that surgical Max reminding me of Seb during his dominance. I think we're always going to have. That's just the way F1 works as for the last. 20 years, probably we always have just periods of dominance by one team getting the rules right. Everybody else is playing catch up, but. We'll see. Maybe, maybe who knows? We have Haas World Champions next year. Uh, <laughs> moving on. So we talked about this a little bit before, but Andretti, uh, Michael Andretti, son of famous Mario Andretti, previous F1 World Champion, um, runs Andretti Global. Uh, they have racing teams in. Several categories, probably the most prominent in being IndyCar. Um, they had been all throughout the paddock last year and in the news saying, we want to join F1. 
we're serious, we've got the money, we've got the backing, we have the technical prowess. And F1 was just like kind of like, nah, like it's we're we're good. And then they kind of said, like, oh, you know, if maybe if you had like a real partner in this. So then what has happened? What happens a few weeks ago? Andretti says, boom, we got Cadillac backed by General Motors. I think it's the like the world's fifth largest car maker saying, OK, we have everything. We have the money. We have the technical prowess. We have a gigantic backing from General Motors with the brand sponsor of Cadillac on the car. What now? And the team's. Uh, well, F1 said like, OK, cool. And at the FIA called for official expressions of interest shortly thereafter, or I think. I can't remember which one came first. Either MBS said like, hey, it's time to apply for F1. And then Andretti was just like, boom, Cadillac. Or it happened in reverse. Either way, uh, it was a big uproar because the rest of the teams, barring Alpine, supposedly they are going to be the the engine supplier, or Renault, I should say. Supposedly, Andretti's going to run Renault engines, which is weird with a Cadillac sponsorship. Oh, and, oh! don't you forget the Infinity badges on these cars in the past, though. Oh, the Red Bull Infinity. <laughs> oh, no, actually, didn't they have... Honda, yeah. They had Honda engines with Infinity and Aston Martin badging. Yep. So yep. is that the equivalent of wearing Nike socks with Adidas uh, Stan Smiths? Oh, no, that's doubling down. That's getting Nike socks, Adidas socks... Puma shoelaces and then Stan Smith's. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Thank you for uh, indulging me. <laughs> yep. The ultimate fashion crime. Um, but then, so like apparently McLaren, Zach Brown, I should say, is like cool with Michael Andretti as a fellow American and they have some sort of established relationship. So McLaren supposedly not necessarily against it. Alpine already said like, yeah, they were cool with it because of the Renault deal. Uh, but the other eight teams said, like, no, no thanks. And they said there's an entry fee, which I think we talked about before. Uh, there's an anti-dilution fund. So if a team does join F1, they have to pay all the other teams $200 million to say, like, here's some money for the money that we're potentially going to be taking away from you in the prize pool come the end of the season. So... They have the money, they have the backing, they have the partnership with General Motors, and the teams are still like, no, it's cool, no, we're good. And apparently it's up to the teams and F1 and FOM, which is Formula One Management, all collectively voting <clears throat> to let them in. But the teams kind of hold the most power here. And uh, it doesn't sound like that, I mean... Michael Andretti is still saying he's confident that they will get into F1. But if I were a betting man, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. What do you guys think about how this whole thing has taken place? Should Andretti be allowed in F1? Duh, is the obvious answer there. But like, do you get the other team's perspective saying like, yeah, we're going to let you in. Or why would we let you in to take some of not only be a competitor, but then potentially take some of our money away. Are they missing the long-term vision here? Growing the sport, getting that $20 billion valuation. So I think, I think 
I thought I read that after the initial kind of pushback, Toto Wolf was kind of into the idea after Cadillac was presented. Like a couple of days after the announcement came out, he came around to it a little bit, which I don't know if that really matters in this context of this conversation. I think he, he came back with a kind of a political answer saying like, oh, it looks like they ticked all the boxes. We'll see what happens kind of thing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, look, this is a conversation that I'm going to repeatedly have with you guys and with anybody that's a Formula One fan. The cars are too big. Make the cars smaller. Make the sport fun again for a larger group of cars and let more teams in. Like, it's more money. It's more teams. It's more races. Like, ultimately, you you have to grow in order to keep people happy, right? Like, you know, Liberty Media is a publicly traded company, right? So they need to keep making money. And if they're going to continue to grow, you know, it's not going to just be Netflix that does the growing for them, right? It's got to be thinking strategically about these things. I think it's great that we have 20 teams out there, right? 20 cars out there, 10 teams. But like, I don't think it hurts to have more cars if you consider the size of the cars and the tracks you're racing, right? I would love Formula One to come back to Laguna Seca. I think we all would, right? But like, the cars are way too massive to, to, to actually make that happen. If the cars were smaller, it w- the fans aren't going to lose anything by having a car that's not the size of a 73 sedan DeVille. Like, uh, you know, like cars can be small and fast as hell and sound amazing and fun to drive and safe and high performance. Like it doesn't have to be boat sized to be a race car. Like that's just the facts. Like, I don't understand why, every season it continues to be like, let's just stretch this out. I understand that like performance wise, if you're racing a plate flipped upside down, then you have very little chance of flipping over, but like small plates race well too, you know? No, I think it comes from a position of insecurity because part of me thinks that the deferring opinion or the dissenting opinion on this is maybe some sort of acknowledgement that they think that their sport is a fad. So they're trying to get all the money that they can while the sport is still hot. Because as we were chatting about in the pregame meeting, I always kind of make the comparison of this reminds me a lot of the world series of poker in previous decades. That's the only thing I can think of because to the point that both of my co-hosts just made, it's a growth sport. And the only way sports continue to maintain relevance is by getting new fans. Pick your favorite sport. And there's a reason why it's either growing exponentially like basketball or global soccer, or it's dying somewhat of a slow death. College basketball, and dare I say it because I know there are two baseball fans here, Baseball is also not what it could be because of the fact that it's turned into this niche sport. And I think if I had something to do with this, I would say, let me be the Statue of Liberty. Bring me your poor. Bring me your unwashed. Bring me your everything. Because at the end of the day, this sport needs to survive. And I know that it's had this illustrious history behind it. But that's not a given considering how you're moving forward. Because we've also realized that while we had probably the most exciting and the most competitively entertaining season that the sport has ever seen two years ago, 
last year was a bit of a down year and there's no amount of sensationalism that Netflix can try to make it appealing. And I think this is how they have to continue to get this sport. And there's nothing like getting new blood into the sport. And not only that, getting Americans into the sport, getting Indians, getting Chinese, getting these emerging markets that is a buzzword in all of our corporate meetings, but actually following up on it because there's an illustrious history with this sport across the world. It's not a regionally specific sport like American football is. So I don't get it. I'm trying to justify it because somebody needs to be the devil to Nick Engvall's angel, but it does not make sense to me. I don't think they need to necessarily make the cars. Like, I agree with you 100% that the cars need to be smaller and or lighter, probably both, to make the sport more entertaining. Like, they're already working really hard on making them more raceable, which I think we saw with the new rule set, and that actually worked somewhat. But the uh, they don't need to make the cars smaller and lighter to make to allow more teams on the grid. Like there was back in the nineties, and even I want to say in the two thousands, there was like twenty two to twenty four cars on the grid. And even in the I think like two thousand tens, they allowed three new teams, which all folded almost immediately. And I think that's what the F1 itself is scared of. They had, I'm going to butcher the names here. I know Jaguar was one of them because Ford owned J- Jag at the time. And then there was like Mar- Marusha, Marisha, something like that. I don't know. But there's three new teams in like the late 2000s, early 2010s um, that all came on board and all almost folded within a couple of years. Um and I think that's what the sport itself is trying to avoid. But like Andretti has the pedigree, obviously, with his dad being a former world champion, the proven success in racing already in other series and the backing, not with even without Cadillac, they had the money to get into F1. Now they have Cadillac and General Motors. But I think. This is kind of the old boys club thing that we were kind of referencing earlier with the 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 no politics, only the, you know, we only want you being political about the things that we approve um, or, or, or want you to care about or something like that. I feel like that's a little bit something I left out earlier that after the kind of Andretti denial surfaced, there was a lot of rumors in the in the the off-season paddock, let's say, that the anti-dilution fund wasn't enough, that that Mm -hmm. fee was established when F1 was worth that six or seven billion that Liberty Media, or no, four billion, I think, that Liberty Media paid for it in 2016. And now they're worth, you know, supposedly 20 billion, uh, which we'll get into. But the they're talking about like 600 million to 700 million for the anti-dilution fee for the teams to pay. Would that mm-hmm. make more sense to you if you were a team owner currently on the grid? I, I'm thinking about it from the perspective of long-term growth, like Rohit mentioned, like a new team, especially an American team is only good news for me as Mercedes or Red Bull, because those new American fans that come into the sport, because there's even more fervor, in America about F1. Yep. They're not guaranteed to like Andretti. They're going to see Max dominating. They're going to see Lewis, the seven time 
asterisk eight time world champion. What? Americans are Cowboys and Yankees fans and are going to jump on the next bandwagon? No, <laughs> no way. No way. That's, <laughs> what I, that's what I mean. Like, I, I would think as a team principal, even a shareholder like Total Wolf in the team, he's like a majority shareholder in Mercedes. Uh, that's just good news for me. Like, I have yeah. the greatest of all time on my team. I have a, a hot, hot shoe. Let's call him in George Russell, Mister No Shirt. Like, that's just good news. I don't care about the potential losing 10, 20 million. <laughs> Rohit's currently taking his jacket off uh, for our audio listeners. We don't have video. I don't know why I said that. Um, but long story short. I think it's only good news, but further more than that, let Andretti on the on the grid. Let whoever else wants to be on the grid on the grid. Make sure they tick all the boxes and they're not going to fold in two years. But like, just make sure they don't have crypto sponsors and then they have a lot of money and the technical prowess. Let them on the grid. What about Rich Energy? Could we get that on the band list of sponsors as well? No, because he has not only gone into British touring cars and had success, but also MotoGP. So let okay. him back Fair in. Enough. Bring, him, bring what him. about what about not Marlboro cigarettes dot Bitcoin? <laughs> I almost said that a joke about smoking earlier because I did smoke cigarettes for a long time. Don't do it, kids. Uh, but now I'm just going to blame my love for Senna in the 90s on smoking because he drove the Marlboro car, right? Yeah, so then it took too long from us prematurely. And Michael Schumacher drove the camel car. Yep, they're the reason I smoked, people. And now everyone's vaping because Lando Norris drives the Views car. So round and round we go. (laughs) Yeah. So your ammunition win now is not winning right now. For what it's for what it's worth, I was not uh, I was not saying that cars have to be smaller. I was just using the opportunity to push my agenda here. Like smaller Formula One cars is <laughs> they don't even have to be as fast. Like you've been to an IndyCar race, Nick. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I went to IndyCar for the first time a couple of years ago at Laguna, yeah. and they only topped out only at like 140, 150 on one of the straights. Yeah. Watching those cars go by at 150 and then like hit the brakes and downshift was just terrifying. Like the, from a noise perspective and a violence perspective, like make them go 150, make them smaller, lighter. Cool. We're done. Yeah. I mean, they can always go faster on, on tracks that allow it. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or I don't I know. Got, I got a track for him. It's called Talladega. <laughs> Put them in the Coliseum like NASCAR is about to do. Yeah. Line them up in that tiny little oval. I don't even understand how that works because it's literally like, hey, you know what? A third of the actual physical space on this track is filled with cars. Now you guys drive in a circle. Like I can't wait to watch it. I didn't I didn't even know it was a thing, and I brought it up in the Discord, and we have like one resident NASCAR. Shout out, Drew. Uh, NASCAR fan in the, in the Discord, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it was chaos. You got to watch it." So it's coming yeah. up on the fifth. So small plug for NASCAR. No, they were promoting the hell out of it during the football games, and I get totally why. Because yeah. if there's one thing we love more than a bandwagon, it's a car crash. So the it feels like just demolition derby. It doesn't even feel yeah. like a race. Just like yeah, let's put thirty cars on a less than quarter mile long track and see what happens. Yeah. I've always wanted to see a race sponsored by Mentos and Diet Coke, and I think that's what we're going to get. <laughs> well, actually, the, 
I found out today that they're doing like a pregame performance, some rapper or whatever's doing pregame performance, and then they're going to pause the race mid-race for somebody else to do like a Super Bowl halftime type of performance mid-race. I love it. I hope it's Flo Rida or Pitbull. Redneck. Yeah, Mr. Worldwide would be a good good addition to any. As a famous man once said, Dale. Do it for Dale. No, I meant like Dale, but mispronouncing it as an ugly American. Mm. That's me, ugly American. That's all right. I'm ugly too. To answer your question, Todd, I, I think it should just be fair game. Like I think you you set the points that, that people need to, to hit, to join. And like to your point, what what do these teams lose? They make money as the sport grows, especially people like Toto who own team, you know, percentages of teams and stuff, right? Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense to like play gatekeeper, in my opinion. Yeah. Because look, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the NFL has to watch their back because the USFL is on their second season now. So who's to say that we don't have formula do and you know sponsored by mountain Dew. espn the ocho <laughs> yeah it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for them not, not only that really we're going to toto wolf who if we're gonna try to make this a full circle event in this episode what was his lasting image last year in drive to survive he wore a turtleneck and was calling for people's heads and what did he do in the subsequent season nothing nothing shield lewis from criticism yeah. Was that what the turtleneck was for? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I think the turtleneck, I think the turtleneck is like when you start shopping at that, I I'm considering becoming the evil villain of the story. Like the turtle, the turtleneck just is there. He, it just he, like, he just looked like that most handsome version of Dieter from spot. Uh, what is it? Sprockets. <laughs> like that was a bit of stunt casting. I was like, all right, sweet. Mike Myers is getting some. Let that episode die on that lame joke, please. Sorry. Save us, Todd, please. If Christian Horner, this is a tangent, but if Christian Horner had any sense of humor, he would end Drive to Survive this season by wearing a turtleneck and talking about how they have a target on their backs. Everybody has a target on their back. No, just talking about how they have a target on their backs. Yeah. But just in a turtleneck, dark lighting, you know, God, that would be amazing. Make fun of them. Like they take shots at each other all the time. Make fun of it. If my, yeah. if my daughter has picture day at daycare with daddy, daddy's going to wear a black turtleneck and just say, there's a target on all of you. And I'm just going to let it, let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then get called to the principal's office. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, speaking of what we kind of, what we were just talking about with the valuation and things like that. MBS, who we've talked about through this whole episode came out mostly bullshit is that mostly what mbs bullshit. stands for <laughs> oh that's not what it stands yeah, for i guess either. no it kind of does that's you're gonna pretty get good us killed, Nick. you're gonna get all of us killed yeah saudi rocket's gonna crash into my house um that was a weird <laughs> tie back to the attack at the jetta circuit anyway uh he happens to be friends with them just saying so mbs came out of nowhere after the forbes article came out that said F1 was now the highest valued sports franchise at 21 billion or something like that, which is crazy. We were talking about this in the pre-show. It's crazy to me that it's bigger than global soccer, football, whatever. Uh, And 
like the NFL and NBA and all that stuff. Um, but it kind of came out of nowhere and said like that the F1 is currently overvalued. And it's strange because he does have ties to uh, apparently uh, the Saudi. There's the name of this fund, it's the Saudi something fund, Betterment Fund, something yeah. like that, that was rumored to offer to purchase F1 the rights to F1 from Liberty Media for something like $20 billion. Um, MBS apparently may have ties to this MBF fund. He is of that region somewhere. I don't know where his ethnicity is, but he's from somewhere there. That's way too American sounding. Anyway, um, he came out of the blue and just said F1's over the, you know, the valuation that came out is, is overinflated. And if the F1 did have a hand, like if F1 was going to cha- change hands, we would do our due diligence on who the, 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 the buyer is to make sure that we're protecting the sport, et cetera, et cetera. The strange thing is that he's the president of the FIA, which is the governing body of F1. He has nothing to do with the businesses of F1 so much so that the lawyers at F1 sent a letter to the FIA saying like, stay out of our freaking business. You have nothing to do with it in a strongly worded letter. I thought that was, it almost feels like he's setting himself up to get the boot already between the debacle last season of, well, there was many races that were a debacle, but Japan being the worst where somebody could have died. And the FIA is in charge of making the races go safely <clears throat> to the F1 um, awards show dinner to kind of the the chaos between the, the dual race directors. And and now this, it it feels like he's trying to get an early exit or someone is calculating him to get an early exit. But at the same time, he does have apparent ties to this fund that is trying to buy F1. So what do you guys think about that? Or hot take. It could just be that he's inspired by Elon Musk's approach to Twitter, <laughs> driving prices of things down and causing chaos as a hobby for the wealthiest of wealthy in the world. And <laughs> he's just bored. That's what he, he's yeah. just bored. He's like, Hey, Let's see what I can light on fire today. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, and I just made sure I got the rookie card of MBS. So that way we can give people the stats that they're asking for. And his official designation is the crown prince and prime minister of Saudi Arabia. But I'm also trying to see if there's has any tie into another rumored acquisition by the Saudis and MBS, because I believe they were also in line as potential buyers for the WWE. And there is nothing that says midlife crisis like acquiring both Formula One and WWE in subsequent months just so you can take over entertainment for the rest of the world. Because I would make the argument that those are two sports and say what you will about wrestling that truly capture the global attention of an audience. So I get it. Maybe he's trying to distance himself. Maybe he's trying to separate church from state because he can't be the governing body and then also have a vested stake in it. But who knows? Like... It's going to be something to watch, and he's not one for subtlety is how I would frame it. 
I agree. He is not one for subtleties or drinking, apparently. Um, yeah, I, I bring back Chase Carey, bring back Jean Todd, bring back somebody else who is of Formula One to be the FIA president. This guy's a clown, clown show. Anyway, uh, in other news, I think just within the last day or so, Nick, you brought this up. Uh, Audi finally made it official and threw the bag at Sauber to become a minority stakeholder, uh, which is strange. As I mentioned uh, before, that I thought they were going to be the majority stakeholder and be a Audi works team, but they are now an official part of Sauber. So... Will we see Audi branding on the Alfa Romeo Sauber next year? I think we will. I think we'll get the Mad Lips description of it being Audi Alfa Sauber, blah, 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 blah. And it's going to be colloquially referenced as Sauber or maybe Sauber Audi. There's always a nice use of a hashtag or a dash in between. But I think that's almost dipping their foot in the water to seeing, okay, how much can we get behind if we put this amount? And then if it proves to be successful, then how much are we going to do next year? Eventually, I see them taking over. But maybe this is a slow burn, as the kids say. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of just think, like, we're we're moving towards a different era of, of team structure with whatever happens with Andretti and Cadillac. And this is kind of just another piece in that puzzle of like eventually getting more teams on the grid. And I don't know if that, if that turns out to be like a, you know, Red Bull alpha Tori situation where one team is, is branded as, you know, Audi and one is it's not Sauber. What is it now? Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo for one yeah, more year. Yeah. Yeah, for one more year. So like yeah, like the the following season, right? We 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 add two more teams to the grid. Andretti is <clears throat> actually no, Andretti it's not 24, right? Like they're applying for like 25 or 6. I thought 6 for some reason, but I mean, <clears throat> it's one of those things I think we will get new teams. I just don't think we'll get it at the accelerated timeline that the three of us and probably other Formula 1 fans want. Yeah. I think so too. I think the interesting thing is the valuation of, of formula one, right? Like it's, it seems undervalued to me. Really? Yeah. So again, the sport of formula one is only worth twice the value of one team in the NBA. But the, like the, the warriors, for instance, like worth around 10 billion, eight to 10 billion, depending on, who you ask or the Knicks, right? Nine, nine billion. Like the entire sport is only worth twice that. Like, don't get me wrong. The amount of dollars and the amount of zeros are not comprehensive, comprehensible to my mind. But like just looking at other things, it seems really weird that the sport as a whole is not worth more. Cause I, I think the sport as a whole is worth way more than like NFL football, like NFL football, the teams look, there's what seven, eight teams that people are like, you know, like that are like globally known and, and like, you know, have a massive fan base. The rest of the teams are kind of in this weird gray area of like, yeah, we, we make money and we have a great 
dedicated fan base in our area and around the United States, but they're not like massive entities like globally, like formula one teams are becoming that. And the sport itself is, is just driving so much right now. Like there's just so many people paying attention to it and watching and listening to this podcast to learn more about it. You know, just kind of, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem to add up for me. Just the fact that it was worth 4 billion less than a decade ago. And now it's worth five times. That is crazy to me. But look, like we talk about it all the time, right? Whether, you know, whether it's drive to survive or just the, the inherent nature of the way that Liberty has taken social media and, and spun F1 into something that everyone can consume. You don't have to watch the entire race to be an F1 fan the way you used to, right? Like, 10 years ago, we couldn't get recap videos on YouTube about formula one, like, you know, to the same extent. Now we can pick and choose who we want to watch and who we want to get our information from. And I think that's a huge difference. It's also a huge difference because like we talked about earlier and maybe in the, in the pre-show a little bit, like my parents watch drive to survive, you know, they, they've, they've known that I've been going to racing for 20 some odd years but like they didn't have interest in the sport until it became consumable for them. Right now, like they'll watch drive to survive. They'll wake up early for a couple of races throughout the season. And I would imagine this next year, depending on, you know, which drivers and who, who they have interest in, they'll be up early watching even more races. And I think that as, as we look at the, the calendar, you have more races that like give us a good opportunity to like actually race, right. Or actually watch live in the States, you know, like, look, we're diehard and we wake up ass early in the morning to get to, to see this, but most people don't, you know, so I think some of us do, but I'm going yeah, to I mean. like, <laughs> call out the discord for not waking no, up with out. us. Call me out. I'm yeah. part of it as well. I mean, I think what saved my bona fides, if you will, as a formula one fan is having a small child because they are up at absurd hours at the night or early morning. So that's made me a stronger Formula One fan. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. I think MBS is out this year. The last topic, which was actually today's news. F1 Business Magazine. Haven't really subscribed to it previously. Didn't know it existed until today. Printed a 17-page article. Today, talking about the W Series, which was the women's only series that was tangentially related to F1, came out with a insane, I don't even know who who in the right mind would approve this for publishing. Dave Portnoy. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the, the good old boys club. Saying that the W Series could work. Would work, I should say, if the women were sexier about it. They 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 need to be sex symbols uh, for this sport to work. So I'll let you guys just run with it. Yeah, please. What does that even mean? Are we getting a league of their own, but with wheels? Like, that's the first thing that jumps to my mind. And... It's ironic to me that you're asking the men of a sport to cover up, but you're telling the women of the sport that, hey, uh, show some leg. It's a dangerous sport. I'm not trying to see third degree burns. You know what's really sexy? Public safety. You know what's really attractive? A helmet, a well-placed seatbelt. What the hell are we doing? 
I mean, I know it's got a reputation of being a good old boys club, but really, this is really leaning into it in the worst way imaginable. So I apologize. It's like the old BC boy lyric. I want to take this opportunity to apologize to all the mothers and the sisters and the wives and friends. I want to stay with you guys, and I hope you stay with our sport until the very end. Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, this is just garbage. I don't know. I don't know who wrote it. I didn't see the oh, article. Oh, I'm going to look heard. this up. I never heard of the magazine. Um, if you've watched any of the W series, it's 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 equally as amazing to watch. Could be almost as, more entertaining than some F one races. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you, and I think you could actually probably say that for F two, F three, right? Like, there's there's some incredible racing that happens outside of Formula One. Like, you know, to our conversation around Max earlier, you know, he won so early and he was so dominant and so good last year that it took away from some of i could see how it could take away from the enjoyment for a newer fan to the sport of racing so i look this shit is so stupid because it's like <clears throat> i don't know don't worry i looked up the author of this who is yod tates wait a minute the calls coming <laughs> from inside the house oh you guys found my misogynistic alter ego besides like this is going to come off as misogynistic there's there's very beautiful women that are racing in w series and it doesn't matter like you don't tell george russell to race without his shirt on which i'm sure lots of people would love to see what are you going to race in like a fireproof thong it doesn't work they're inside a car it's so as long as it doesn't express your own opinions right yeah like I, I, this is the one thing that they're going to get behind like that. And like this fake, we race is one thing that F1 tries to do every year. Uh, it's so dumb. And like, it just shows proof again that the W series had to cancel their championship last year and were that much farther away of probably ever seeing a female driver in F1 because no one will give them the backing except for my dark horse, Jamie Chadwick got a seat in Indy lights this year and she's going to go into Indy the following year. And then she'll, she's probably going to win it. So she'll get enough points to be an F1 and she'll be the first, first woman driver. I hope so. I think that's going to be, she's, awesome. fr- yep. she's so rad from yep. your mouth to MBS's ear. <laughs> yeah. Those big ass ears. Let, let's, let's hope not. All right, I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, Because we have our first car launch tomorrow, another chance for us to bet on something stupid. What's the majority color of Haas's car tomorrow? I know we're not actually going to see a car. We're going to see a livery. But what's the majority color? Are we going all white again? We're going to go back to the back in black like the, the bitch energy days. Sorry, rich energy days. Or how dare you? Uh, I'm going to say this. If there's one thing I know about Formula One, it loves a splashy video. And why win a race when you can win a press conference? I'm going to go with the ACDC montage of Back in Black. Okay. That's all the only word I know. In fact, if you ever ask me to do karaoke to that song, it's just going to be Back in Black imposing every lyric of that song. Oh, Nick, no. what about you? Honestly, I'm just happy that Haas is going to be able to you know, drop a first this season no they always do you know but they're actually doing a launch normally they're just like send out an ill-timed tweet on a friday like hey here's our car peace bitches they're actually doing a launch tomorrow i'm so excited for it 
Put some what? respect on Gunther's name. They got a pole position in quality last year, if I remember. <laughs> God, that was a good. No, I, 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 I honestly hope the car stays fairly close to the same as before. Black, black, red, and white. I mean, I think it's like the Haas like colors. The business colors, red and white, right? Makes sense. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think you know, as long as they go and go back to like the Russian flag and then try to say that it's not the Russian flag, then I think we're all good. A bad so. toothpaste sponsor. So, what's your guess? The majority color. You're gonna say white. I think it's majority white. Yep. Racist. <laughs> Should have known. Okay, red. <laughs> Jesus. No, uh, you can't take my answer. Damn it. <laughs> I think we're gonna see a majority red car, and it's not gonna be a Ferrari red. I'm thinking like a heavily red car in the form of like what alpha Romeo's car looked like last year where it was like almost equal parts red and white, but it's like heavy on the red. I think that's what we're going to see because Haas is red and white and MoneyGram, their new title sponsor is red. So what I want to see is like America. Fuck. Yeah. Now that they have an American sponsor for the, American team on the grid. I want to see a big star spangled fucking bald eagle across the side of the car. I'd like to see Fig Newtons on it and I'd like it to be disproportionately (laughs) large, almost as an impediment. But I do love Fig Newtons and I think it deserves to have that type of a claim. Yes. (laughs) We do need to talk about sponsors in a future episode because uh Mercedes has an interesting new one. (gasps) Ooh, but sponsor I learned on today's Twitter trolling. Palm Angels sponsors Haas. I had no idea. I don't even really know much about them, but I know they're like a kind of a hype beast brand. But Palm Angels is one of the title, not title sponsors, sub tier sponsors of Haas. I just learned that today, but they were all all of last year. I did not know that. Gunter Steiner Uh, needs some Alma Manye threes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I hope, honestly, if, if, if it does come out, like my my actual hope is that it comes out in an all black car to ACDC. So if that's the case, then I'm I'm just gonna order merch tomorrow. hundred percent. But you know, like that that would be the dream. I just don't think I don't know, I don't think they have it in them. Yeah, it'll probably be a bad toothpaste car again. As long as it's not like this is a Russia car FU kind of yeah. look. If it's red, white, and blue, awesome. But not the Russian flag, red, white, and blue. No offense to our Russian fans. Wow, guys. This is like an episode in the books. First time in a couple of months. I feel like we've had a had quite the uh the gardening no, what is it? Gardening leave? The the the, the gardening leave, but like I was gonna say it's the fishing trips, right? The fi- gone fishing from the yeah. in the NBA, you know. Winter break. Some- we got through yeah. some stuff. We're, we're rounding into form. And I think by the time we get through the fantasy draft episode and the hot takes episode, we'll be ready. The question is, listener, I think so. will you be? Sorry, I was busy <laughs> snowboarding with Lewis Hamilton and Sean White. Sue me, I, okay? I was being a dad. Yeah, I was absolutely <laughs> changing poopy diapers yeah. as well. So, yep. Or I was going to say, I'm going to start calling. We call them shit stops. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. 2.9 I was going to say, I'm going to start. If Todd was actually snowboarding with Lewis Hamilton and Sean White, I was just going to call him MBN from now on. Ooh. Must be nice. MBN? <laughs> or must, must be, be nice. MBY. 
No, you know what? That's what I'm going to call him for this year. My uh, season nickname for Todd Yates this year will be MBY. Because <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I feel like you found your new Nikita Mazepin in terms of your season nemesis for the year, and it's MBS. Yeah, but I yes. also don't. I don't want you to lose your life, so let's just keep that MBS talk to a minimum, MBY, because I like you too much. I don't know if anyone's ever oh, going to take away from uh, F1 TV direction, so that's a pretty steep hill to climb for to be my most hated thing about F1. Anyway, oh, yeah, great to be back. Um, Absolutely. I miss you guys. We will uh, be on again shortly with some cars to talk about Spe- yep. speculate who's going to be good and bad i can't wait yeah we'll uh we'll catch y'all next week exhaustnotes.fm you can follow us at at exhaustnotes.fm on all the platforms and we can follow these guys they're about to tell you road m13 on instagram at rohizi i think i'd signed up for a bunch of social networks thinking twitter's dead but Twitter's not dead, so I'm probably going to deactivate all those. Todd, where where can they find you? On Instagram at dadshoe.jpg and on F1 or on F1. Yeah, just find me on F1. Uh, on Twitter at, uh, I think it's still TZF1. More importantly, go Badger Exhaust Notes FM all the time. Make Nick Give me access to it so we have to post more. Okay. Yes. And the Discord. Link in the description. Find us there. You can find me at Nick Ingvall. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.